Well, we are starting a brand new series today. Uh, it's called Relatively Speaking. And so if you have your Bibles with you, open them to Proverbs chapter 25. I had a Bible here somewhere. Let me grab that real quick. Uh, Proverbs 25, verse 28 is where we're going to spend the morning. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one of these around you. Proverbs is kind of in the middle of your Bible. It is page uh, 455, 455 in this blue Bible. And let's see, I usually have some notes up here. So I'm going to go find those real quick. It looks like they're right here. Let me get those because I'm going to need these. For, sorry, it was really crazy between services and um, I'm going to need a music stand. I think, yeah, I can use this one. This is good. Uh, Proverbs 25, if you guys have that, Proverbs 25, 28. I think the notes are wrong. The notes say Proverbs 25, 8, but it's 25, 28. And so, whew, you guys ready to start? Hi, Terry, how you doing? Good. Did you have a good weekend so far? Good, good. Do you guys always, like, when you get to work, do you start right away? Or do you sometimes socialize and take a moment to, like, just say hi to people? Yeah. Do you, Ryan? That's good, man. Yeah, so many times, uh, life can be so chaotic, can't it? Life can be so chaotic, and we don't always take time, make time for the things that matter most, right? We, we have all this stuff happening all over us, and we don't always take time for the stuff that we would say matters most in our lives. I, I saw an article this week in the Boston Globe that talked about this, that talked about how uh, this radically fast-paced culture is affecting our need for results, that, that our expectation of instant, what is instant, has changed uh, over the past uh, 15 or 20 years. Here's what the article said. said, notice how retailers are jumping into same-day delivery services. New smartphone apps eliminate the wait for a cab, a date, or a table at a hot restaurant. Movies and TV shows begin streaming in seconds. But experts caution that the need for speed comes at a price. It's making us less patient. We've come to expect things so quickly that researchers found people can't wait more than a few seconds for a video to load. One researcher examined the viewing habits of 6.7 million Internet users. Think about that. 6.7 million is a pretty good cross-section of our population. And asked how long were subjects willing to be patient to wait for a video to load. The answer? Two seconds. Two seconds is when people started checking out. After five seconds, nearly a quarter of the people had clicked and moved on. After 10 seconds, half were gone. We can't wait 10 seconds to see that precious cat video. The results offer a glimpse into the future, the article continues. As internet speeds increase, people will be even less willing to wait for that video. The researcher who spent years developing the study worries that someday people will be too impatient to conduct studies on patients. Why do we move so quickly? Why do we demand instant results? We're in a hurry, and we're in a hurry because we've got so much going on in our lives. We're running this way and that. We're, we're distracted by this over there, or one more event, one more opportunity to do something great, one more invitation, one more project, one more website. There is no time. Do you feel that in your lives? There is no Time for so many of us. There is no extra space. We are a people. We are a society with very little margin. Do you feel that in your life? Like you're trying to do too much, do too, too many things, take on too much all at once. And I, I think we'd all agree, wouldn't we, that we'd love to slow down? And you get that, 
that feeling at the end of the day when everybody else is asleep or they're upstairs, everything's taken care of, the chores are done, and you sit down on the couch and you just go, and you think, boy, if this could just last for an hour, that would be awesome, right? But instead, instead of dropping anything, we actually keep taking on more and more. And what happens is we end up trading what matters most for what matters right now. Because we have so much going on, some of the most important things in life seem to fall by the wayside. They get squeezed out by things that, if you're honest with yourself, really don't matter all that much. And so what I'm going to do this morning as we just start the service is to just create some space for you. I just want to give you a minute and think about what are the things that matter most. If you pick up a note card on your way in, there's a, uh, it's like four blanks there. You can get out a pen. If you don't, you can get out the, uh, your phone or whatever, wherever you take notes. And just for a minute, think about, if you had to guess three or four things that matter most in your life, what are they? Go ahead and write those down or type them out. getting a pretty good list by now? Let me ask you, just uh, shout some things out. What, what are the things that are on your list? What's on your list? Family, all right, good. What else? God, okay, good. Work, okay. Marriage, great. I'm glad to hear you say that since you just got married like three weeks ago. Five weeks, six weeks ago. Oh my gosh. What else? House, golf, Okay. Fun? Friends? Okay, good. Health, your health? That's good. Okay, how many of you um, did social media make the list, Facebook or Twitter? Anyone? Netflix and chill? Hulu? Uh, PlayStation? Candy Crush? No? How, how, can, how can it be that some of the stuff that we spend so much of our time on isn't in our priorities? And so many of our priorities we don't really spend that much time on. I mean, when we take a few moments, you think about what really matters most. A lot of what you guys said boils down to relationships, right? Friends, family, marriage, God. It's all about relationships. And so how is it that so often relationships take a back seat to the stuff that really doesn't matter? You know, relationships are what matters most, but we don't always live like that, do we? The way we live doesn't always line up with our priorities. Why is that? Well, I think a lot of that is rooted in the fact that we just don't like to let people down, right? We are a bunch of people pleasers, I think, a lot. We, we like feeling busy. Busy is a badge of honor in our culture. We like feeling needed, don't we? Don't we like it when people need us? Uh, we overestimate our abilities, I was going to say guys, but I don't think it's just guys that do that. I think we all overestimate how much we can get done. We, we think we can handle one more thing all the time. We, we feel like we're responsible for other people's happiness, right? We feel like we're responsible for their well-being. But, but what if I told you there was a phrase? All right. What if I said there was one word that could revolutionize your relationships? 
It could change the way you set your priorities in life and the way you behave in life so that you could put the most important things first. It's a word you've heard before. You've probably even used it. But if you're busy and overscheduled and relationships are taking a back seat, it is the word that you're not using enough. What is it? Here's the word. No. No. Say it with me. No. Oh, come on. One more time with feeling this time. No. It's a simple word. One syllable, two letters. Nobody probably had to teach you that word, right? Babies, it's like one of the first five words you ever learn. And then parents, we spend the next uh, 18 years trying to get them using that word, right? No. But if we make no a regular part of our vocabulary, I mean, it can be the one word that we can use that uh, it can help us change our relationships. Saying no can be really difficult. And when we fail to say no, we find ourselves trying to carry too much. We're, we're overwhelmed. We attempt to please anyone. Now, no may not seem like a positive word or a transforming word for relationships, but I think we'll see it may just be one of the most important words you'll ever say. So we're starting this new series today. It's called speaking. I told you last week I wanted the subtitle to be or four word phrases that will help keep you from punching someone in the face at Thanksgiving. Uh, the rest of the staff didn't buy that. They didn't think that was good. So we went with this, how to make good decisions and say nice things. What we're going to do over the four weeks of this series, we're going to be looking at the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs has great wisdom for life. And we, I think it will help us discover uh, words and phrases that will help us bring life to our relationships. You know, Proverbs is full of wisdom and insight uh, for daily life. Uh, There are several contributing writers to the book of Proverbs, but the most famous and most common is a man by the name of Solomon. Solomon was king of Israel. Uh, He was the wealthiest man who ever lived, Scripture tells us. And and even if you're not a Christian and if you uh, don't have much background in church, you've probably heard wisdom from the book of Proverbs. There's so much stuff in there that just applies to our daily lives. And so we're going to start today, Proverbs 25, 28. Like I said, the notation on the note cards is wrong, but Proverbs 25, 28 is right on the app. 25, 28 says this, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. You know, one of the great things about Proverbs is you don't have to have a lot of Bible background to really understand the wisdom that comes from this book, right? You read that phrase and you don't have to say, well, let me talk about the Greek word for uh, walls, you know, or whatever, that you can read that and you can go, yeah, I get that. I understand that. A person who lacks self-control is like a city whose walls are broken down. And so if you didn't grow up in church, you can probably read that and understand it. If you did grow up in church, think about this. Do you guys remember a song that we used to sing um, about Joshua? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho. Jericho. And you know how those songs are so repetitive, right? But Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and what happened? And the walls came tumbling down, right? Let me ask you, what happened after the walls came tumbling down? It's not in the song, but it is in the Bible. After the walls came tumbling down, the city of Jericho fell, right? The, the, Israel, the nation of Israel marched right in and took over the city. Why? Because a city with no walls is vulnerable to all kinds of attacks, There's no boundary for what goes in and what comes out. Solomon says that just like the walls protect a city, self-control protects us as people. The word self-control here carries kind of a double meaning. It's instruction and correction. So there's a warning and there's teaching in there for us. 
And when the writer talks about walls, he's just revealing a truth about how life works. If you don't have discipline, if you don't have self-control, the walls that protect you will eventually crumble down. The, the, the Proverbs talking about how a lack of discipline or lack of self-control leads to breakdown and ruin in our lives. On one hand, self-control allows you to protect yourself and those you love from becoming a broken-down, defenseless wreck of regret. You know, without self-control, we we seek pleasure in all the wrong things, and we seek to let them fill us up uh, where God should be filling us up. And at the same time, we fail to live the life that God has designed us to live. A lack of self-control will leave you susceptible to any and all kinds of attacks in your life. I mean, ask any successful athlete, musician, I almost said magician. I guess that would work for a magician too, but musician, carpenter, mom, dad, teacher, uh, business executive, mentor of any kind, uh, about the importance of self-control and the importance of choosing most important things. If you don't have self-control, you can't say no to junk food. You can't say no to time wasters or distractions. You can't say no to impulse buys. And you can't say no to bad relationships. By learning to say no, you're actually building up protection, like a city with strong walls. If you have no defense, no wall, no self-control, you have nothing to protect your priorities. right? Your priorities are what you value. If you cannot learn to say no, you'll never be able to say yes and be fully present, fully alive, fully engaged with the things that you wrote down that you said matter most. And so one of the reasons that many of us are frustrated and frazzled in such a hurry is because of our inability to say no. We, we haven't developed the habit of saying no to the less important things. And so by default, what we do is we say yes to a lot of the less important things. We eventually end up disappointing everyone because we have the inability to handle everything at once. I have a friend who uh, uh, tells the story that his friend was scheduled to sing at two different weddings on the same day at the same time because she refused to say no and disappoint somebody. And of course, you look at that situation and you go, what's going to happen when she doesn't show up for one of them? What she ended up doing was sending her sister to sing in her place to the one of the weddings and the bride and groom were quite surprised when their friend didn't show up to sing. Can you think about that? How often do we say yes to every little thing because we haven't developed the habit of saying no to the less important things? If we don't learn to say no, even to good opportunities, our life will crumble out of control like a city with broken down walls. I remember at one point in early in our marriage, we had one child and I was working, I was involved with a not-for-profit organization. I was starting to get really involved in our church. My wife was working, or it was not working, she was staying home with the kids or with our child at the time, one child. And our pastor asked me to join another board at the church. And she said, well, what are you going to tell him? And I said, well, of course I'm going to tell him yes. I have to say yes. And my wife looked at me, and I'll never forget this. She looked at me and she said, if you don't say no to him, you're saying no to something else by default. I love it when the Holy Spirit speaks to me in the form of a beautiful woman. It's a great thing, but it was such a learning experience for me. And I'll never forget that, that if we don't say, if we aren't intentional about saying no to things that matter a little, we can end up saying no by default to things that matter a lot. Saying no is essential to maintaining priorities. In this case, I had to learn to say no to maintain my my sanity and, and my family dynamic. Seth Godin, who's a a well-known author and blogger, uh, usually on business, 
has an article about the importance of saying no. He says, no is essential. If you believe that you must keep your promises, over-deliver, and treat every commitment as though it's an opportunity for transformation, the only way you can do this is to turn down most opportunities. No, I can't meet with you. No, I can't sell it to you at this price. No, I can't do this job justice. No, I can't come to your party. No, I can't help you. I'm sorry, but no, I can't. Not if you want to do the very things that people value my work for. No is the foundation that we can build our yes on. That's good, isn't it? No is the foundation we can build our yes on. And so uh, I want to talk to you about today. I want to show you how our life should play out. And I want to show you using a graph on the side screen with uh, three circles. So at the center, at the core of our being, at the center of our life, should be our priorities. You might call these your values. Uh, they're the things you value the most, the things you hold dearest, your priorities. We just finished an eight-week series talking about Jesus' priorities, uh, the things that he most valued. This is what we want our life to reflect on a day-to-day basis. And so what we do when our priorities are at the center of who we are, we develop a story. Right? This is told in the language that we use. It's the things that we say that are supposed to reflect our priorities. So we might say something like if we run a business, we might say people before profit. We might say relationships before responsibilities. Maybe we'll say kids before career. Whatever our priorities are, our story should be the language that surrounds that. Does that make sense? Do you get that? Just give me a nod if you, or, or a shake. Okay. okay. So it, it, whatever our priorities are at the center of our life, we tell a story around those priorities. But what we actually do is our behavior. This is the outer circle. Now, when things are going well in our life, when we've aligned all of these things, our behavior reflects our story, and our story reflects our priorities, right? The things we say and do are the same. Our priorities, we live from the inside out. Our priorities drive our story. Our story drives our behavior. But what happens all too often is that our behaviors don't line up with our priorities. Our behavior doesn't uh, uh, reflect our priorities and doesn't reflect the story that we're telling. Our behaviors tell a different story, things like profit before people, like relationships or responsibilities before relationships or career before kids. So sometimes our behavior doesn't tell the same story as our priorities. And so we'll say things like my my marriage is a priority. We'll say uh, our story will be till death do us part, right, for better or for worse, uh, in sickness and in health, for richer or for poorer. That's the story around the idea that our marriage is a priority, but then we don't make time to experience intimacy and fun with our spouse by saying no to other things. Because who we are, we we can all make promises, right? We all make promises. And and so you can stand up in front of a crowd and you can make a promise on your wedding day that I'm going to love, honor, and obey you until death to us part, but it's keeping the promise. That's the hard part. I, we see that all around us in our society. And, and, and so we, we have our priority. We say marriage is a priority, and then our story tells that. But if our behavior doesn't reflect that, we're living outside our priorities, right? Uh, we might say family is a priority, but we don't say no to those things that prevent us from being together and sharing meals together and sharing experiences together. You know, we might say that our friends are our top priority, but we don't say no to the extras, and our friends end up getting leftovers, You know, if you're a Christian, hopefully your relationship with God is a priority. Hopefully it's number one at the top of the list. But we don't say no to all the things that distract us from prayer and keep us from uh, being with our church on Sunday and keep us from studying his word. 
We'll say disciple-making is a priority, but we don't say no to anyone, and we try to invest in everyone. If you're not willing to say no to the least important things, before you know it, you're dropping the ball. You're losing ground to the priorities we say are the most important. And if you're like me, you panic and you run around like crazy trying to find all your stuff. You run around like crazy trying to cover up where you've dropped the ball. And we always end up disappointing someone, sometimes everyone. And then how do you feel about yourself when you let people down? Not good, right? Instead of living from the center outward and letting our priorities drive our behaviors, we tend to live from the outside in, and we get stuck in behaviors that don't reinforce our priorities. By the way, this is why so many non-Christians think Christians are so judgmental. If you think about this for a minute, when we're reflecting on this for ourselves, we don't pay as much attention to our behavior as we pay to our priorities, Like if I look inside myself, I know my priorities, I know what my values are, and sometimes even when I act outside of a behavior that should be driven by my priorities, I excuse that because I know my intentions, right? I know my priorities. But when we look at other people, we only see their behavior. You can't see other people's priorities. You can't see their values. And so when we look at other people as Christians, we judge their behavior, but we can't judge their priorities. But we judge us by our priorities and not by our behavior, right? It's also why so many people think Christians are hypocritical because uh, what our priorities are supposed to be reflected in our story. And then when what we say and what we do doesn't correspond, people go, oh, those Christians are all hypocrites because they say one thing and they do another thing. So when we're not living from the inside out, our behaviors don't really reflect our priorities. We're like a city whose walls are broken down as a person who lacks self-control. And if that's where you are today, What can you do to better align our behaviors with our priorities? Well, in a word, we need to learn to say no. How many times do we fill our days with a thousand little yeses? But in order to make sure our behavior aligns with our priorities, we've got to be more intentional with the way we live our days. And sometimes it takes just one big no to wipe out those thousand little yeses. Sometimes we need to say no to something, even something good so that we can say yes to something better. You know who lived a priority-driven life? You probably know because you're in church. It was Jesus. We just spent eight weeks talking about these priorities that Jesus had. He was intentional about living in line with his priorities. His relationship with his father was the most important thing in his life. And because of that, the stories Jesus told lined up with those priorities And the behavior, the way he lived his life, lined up with those priorities. He he fully depended on the Holy Spirit and things like prayer and scripture. And and these priorities influenced his behavior. They they, they built up his relationship with God. But not only was his relationship with his father a priority for Jesus, but his relationship with other people was as well. And so we talked about just a couple weeks ago the way he spent his time. We said Jesus loved everyone, served many, and invested in a few. His behavior reflected his priorities, and they reflected the story he told. Jesus had to say no to so many good things so that he could say yes to the best things. So Jesus said no to the temptation of wealth and power. He said no to judging and condemning sinners. He said no to busyness, no to fame, uh, no to countless things that could have distracted him so that he could say yes to helping people find their way back to God and say yes to making disciples. 
He refused to be like a city whose walls were broken down. Can you imagine if Jesus were easily distracted like we were, like we are? I mean, can you imagine Jesus spending countless hours playing fantasy football? Can can you imagine Jesus watching uh, reruns of The Office on Netflix instead of being out making disciples? Instead of investing in people rather than spending his time with people? Can, Can you imagine Jesus choosing seven soccer tournaments on the weekend? And not being there for the 5,000. Or not being there for the woman at the well or the wee little man in the sycamore tree. And maybe it sounds ridiculous, but think about how often we fail to live out our priorities. That the things that we know and believe to be the most important because of the things like that latest Snapchat story or that cute little cat video or Pinterest post or you know, chasing the American dream. Jesus was intentional. He was laser-focused. He was a man of discipline and self-control and priorities. He was a man on a mission whose behaviors perfectly aligned with his priorities and it positioned him to tell the story of his radical love for us. Sometimes we have to say no to something good so that we can say yes to something better. But but I I feel like if I say no, then my kid won't be able to play travel ball. And if he doesn't play travel ball, then he's never going to go to a D1 school. And if he never goes to a D1 school, well, he's never going to play in the pros. Got news for you. Johnny ain't going pro. Jenny ain't going pro. Uh, the, the odds are so stacked against them. And, and the number of parents who are investing their time and energy in activity in hopes that maybe someday is completely uh, uh, out of balance with the opportunity for kids to go pro in a sport or in some after-school activities. But, but he loves basketball and baseball and football and gymnastics and debate club and chess club, and somebody's got to be the adult. I mean, let me ask you a question. Did you get to do everything you wanted to do as a kid? No, and look at you all surviving and all. How does that happen? Because somebody said no. You're able to live in line with your priorities and saying no. Well, let me say this. In, in his great book, Boundaries, Henry Cloud points to how saying no uh, can, create, can do so many great things, it, that it creates boundaries for us. It, it helps us maintain control. It helps align our values and priorities. Uh, it helps us with projects, be more productive. It, it allows room for change. I'm sure none of you experience change in your life, but if you had a little more margin, it would be easier, and it creates steadiness. And, and saying no create something that could look completely foreign to us. Blank space. When we know our priorities, we have an opportunity to think about a schedule that reflects your priorities. Can can you imagine what it would look like to live a life where your behavior was aligned with your priorities? Not doing so many things, not, not running in so many directions, investing in your marriage, Spending time with your kids, taking time to be with your friends, doing things you enjoy, investing in your relationship with God, spending time with him every day, enjoying your church, serving the people around you. You know, the challenge, I think, this, this week for all of us is to live intentionally. When we give away a thousand little yeses every day, it keeps us from focusing on our priorities. But to do that, some of us have to come up with one big no. At least it's a start. It's a step in the right direction. 
our family realized this uh, a couple of years ago. We realized that we weren't really doing a good job of honoring our time together as a family, that we have, as parents, I have so little time left with my girls that I wanted to do a good job of giving them things to remember and experiences to remember. And so about two years ago, we started, uh, we, we engaged a Sabbath for our family. We decided we're going to take one day a week where we're not going to do chores. Uh, we're not going to wash the dishes as much as they may pile up. We're not going to take out the trash. Uh, we're going to spend time together. And we realized that for us, spending time together meant we had to get out of the house because we have so many kids in our neighborhood that want to come over and invade and play, and that's great. But one day a week, we were going to take time with just our family and do something that we enjoy together. What's the one big no for you? What's the one thing that if you said no to, it could wipe out a thousand little yeses in your life? And for many of us, we, it might be something like a Sabbath where I'm going to take one day, just one day a week, and uh, we're going to get rid of a lot of activity on that day. One night where I don't schedule any meetings. We don't have any practices. We just stay home and enjoy time together. You know, for some of us, we carry our biggest distraction in our pocket. What if for one day, one day a week, we just said, you know what? I'm going to leave this on the charger today. felt the tension rise in the room a little bit. One day a week where I'm not, I'm not going to pull out of my pocket every 20 minutes and check who liked my Facebook status. I'm not going to look and see what people are tweeting about. I'm just going to, just going to be, you know, if you're in school, maybe it's a sport or an activity or lots of sports and lots of activities. Maybe you just say, I'm going to take one season where I'm not going to do anything after school. I'm not going to have any extracurricular activities, you know, for the, for the spring, I'm just taking the spring off. No baseball, no track. One big no. It can start you on a path to a life where your behavior and your story are aligned with your priorities. A life knowing and growing in God. A life of intentionality. A life of meaning. A life of purpose. A life with margin. Like a city with strong walls. Would you pray with me? Lord, I'm so thankful for the example you give us once again in Jesus. I'm thankful most of all that he came and died and went to the cross for us so that we can have eternal life. But God, Jesus himself said that he didn't come to judge. He came so that we could have eternal life or abundant life. And God, we know, we feel so many times that a life full of activity doesn't always feel like abundant life. God, we want that abundant life. We want a life of more, a life of more stuff that matters and less that doesn't. But God, if we're gonna say no to some things, we need your help. We need you to point us in the right direction. Lord, help us to see, give us wisdom to see, give us strength to say no to the unimportant things, even the good things so that we can say yes to something great. God, we need you in that. We need your wisdom in that. We pray these things in the name of Jesus.